Chapter Twenty Two of The House of the Wolfings. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The House of the Wolfings by William Morris. Chapter Twenty Two Otter Falls On Against His Will. It was with the same information, working in him the light, that the Roman captain set none to guard the ford on the westward side of the Mirkwood water. The Romans tarried there but a little hour, and then went their ways. But Otter sent a man on a swift horse to watch them, and when they were clean gone for half an hour, he bade his folk to horse, and they departed all save a handful of the swains and elders who were left to tell the tidings to theodolf when he should come into the midmark so otter and his folk crossed the ford and drew up in good order on the westward bank and it was then somewhat more than three hours after noon he had been there but a little while before he noticed a stir in the berry meadow and lo it was the first of Theodolf's folk, who had gotten out of the wood and had fallen in with the men whom he had left behind, and these first were the riders of Berings and the Wormings, for they had outgone the others who were afoot. It may well be thought how fearful was their anger when they set eyes on the smouldering ashes of the dwellings nor even when those folk of otter had told them all they had to tell could some of them refrain from riding off to the burnt houses to seek for the bodies of their kindred but when they came there and amidst the ashes could find no bones their hearts were lightened and yet so mad wroth they were that some could scarce sit their horses and great tears gushed from the eyes of some and pattered down like hailstones so eager were they to see the blood of romans so they rode back to where they had left their folk talking with them of otter and the barons were sitting grim upon their horses and somewhat scowling on otter's men then the foremost of those who had come back from the houses waved his hand towards the ford but could say naught for a while but the captain and chief of the bearings, a grizzled man, very big of body, whose name was Erinbjorn, spake to that man and said, What aileth thee, Swinenbjorn the Black? What hast thou seen? He said, Now red and grey is the pavement of the bearings' house of old, red yet is the floor of my dais, but the hearth all grey and cold i know not the house of my fathers i could not call to mine the fashion of the building of that water of the wind o oh, wide were grown the windows and the roof exceeding high for naught there was to look on twixt the pavement and the sky but the tie beam lay on the dais and methought it straining fair for rings of sootest charcoal were round it here and there and the red flame flickered o'er it and never a staining white hath red earth in his coffer so clear and glittering bright 
and still the little smoke-wreaths curled o'er it pale and blue yea fair is our hall's adorning for a feast that is strange and new said Bjorn, what sawest thou therein o swinenbjorn where sat thy grandsire at the feast where were the bones of thy mother lying said swinenbjorn we sought the feast hall over and naught we found therein of the bones of the ancient mothers are the younglings of the kin the men are greedy doubtless to lose no wit of prey and will try if the hoary elders may yet outlive a way that leads to the southland cities till at last they come to stand with the youngings in the market to be sold in an alien land Aaron Bjorn's brow lightened somewhat but ere he could speak again an ancient thrall of the galtine spoke and said true it is o warriors of the bearings that we might not see any war thralls being led away by the romans when they come away from the burning dwellings and we deem it certain that they cross the water before the coming of the romans and that they are now with the stay-at-homes of the wolfings in the wildwood behind the wolfing dwellings for we hear tell that the war duke would not like that the hall son should hold the hall against the whole roman host then swinenbjorn tossed up his sword into the air and caught it by the hilt as it fell and cried out on on to the meadow where these thieves abide us Bjorn spake no word but turned his horse and rode down to the ford and all men followed him and of the bearings there were a hundred warriors save one and of the warmings eighty and seven so rode they over the meadow and into the ford and over it and otter's company stood on the bank to meet them and shouted to see them but the others made but little noise as they crossed the water so when they were on the western bank Bjorn came among them of otter and cried out where then is otter where is the warduke is he alive or dead and the throng opened to him and otter stood facing him and Bjorn spake and said thou art alive and unhurt warduke when many have been hurt and slain and methinks thy company is little minished though the kindred of the bearings lacketh a roof and its elders and women and children are now gone into captivity what is this was it a light thing that gangrel thieves should burn and waste in the midmark and depart unhurt that ye stand here with clean blades and cold bodies said otter thou grievest for the hurt of thine house Bjorn, but this at least is good that though ye have lost the timber of your houses ye have not lost its flesh and blood the shell is gone but the kernel is saved for thy folk are by this time in the wood with the wolfing stay-at-homes and among these are many who fight on occasion so they are safe for this time the romans may not come at them to hurt them said Bjorn. Had ye time to learn all this, Otter, 
when ye fled so fast before the Romans that the father tarried not for the son, nor the son for the father? He spoke in a loud voice so that many heard him, and some deemed it evil, for anger and distension between friends seemed abroad. But some were so eager for battle that the words of Erinbjorn seemed good to them, and they laughed for pride and anger. Then Otter answered meekly, for he was a wise man and a bold. We fled not, Erinbjorn, but as the sword fleeth when it striketh up from the iron helm to fall on the woolen coat. Are we not now of more avail to you, O men of the Barians, than our dead corpses would have been? Erinbjorn answered not, but his face waxed red, as if he were struggling with a weight hard to lift then said to Otter, But when will Theodulf and his main battle be with us? Erin Bjorn answered calmly, Maybe in a little hour from now, or somewhat more. Said Otter, My read is that we abide him here, and when we are all met and well ordered together, fall on the Romans at once, for then shall we be more than they, whereas now we are far fewer, and moreover we shall have to set on them in their ground of vantage. Aaron Bjorn answered nothing, but an old man of the Barings, one of Thorbjorn, came up and spake, Warriors, here we are talking and taking counsel, though this is no hallowed thing to bid us what we shall do and what we shall forbear, and to talk thus is less like warriors than old women, wrangling over the why and wherefore of a broken crop. Let the war-duke rule here, as is but meet and right. Yet if I might speak, and not break the peace of the Goths, then would I say this, that it might be better for us to fall on these Romans at once, before they have cast up a dyke about them, as fox telleth is their wont, and that even in an hour they may do much. As he spake, there was a murmur of assent behind him, but Otter spake sharply, for he was grieved. Thorbjorn, thou art old, and shouldest not be void of prudence. Now it had better been for thee to have been in the wood to-day, to order the women and the swains according to thine ancient wisdom, than to egg my young warriors to fare unwarily. Here will I abide Theodulf. Then Thorbjorn reddened, and was wroth. But Erinbjorn spake. What is this to do? Let the war-duke rule as is but right. But I am now become a man of Theodulf's company, and he bade me haste on before to help all I might. Do as thou wilt, Otter, for Theodulf shall be here in an hour's space, and if much diking shall be done in an hour, yet little slaying, forsooth shall be done, and that especially if the foe is all armed and slayeth women and children. Yea, if the bearing women be all slain, Yet shall not tear make us new ones out of the stones of the waste to wed with the Galtings and the fish-eating houses? 
this is easy to be done, forsooth. Yea, easier than fighting the Romans and overcoming them. And he was very wrath, and turned away, and again there was a murmur and a hum about him. But while these had been speaking aloud, Swine and Bjorn had been talking softly to some of the younger men, and now he shook his naked sword in the air, and spake aloud, and sang, Ye tarry, bears of battle, ye linger, sons of the worm, ye crouch adown, O kindreds, from the gathering of the storm. Ye say, it shall soon pass over, and we shall fare afield, and reap the wheat with the war-sword, and winnow with the shield. But where shall be the corner wherein ye shall abide, and where shall be the woodland where the whelps of the bears shall hide, when twixt the snowy mountains and the edges of the sea? These men have swept the wildwood and the fields where men may be. Of every living sword-blade and every quivering spear, and in the southland cities the yoke of slaves ye bear, lo ye, whoever follows, I fare to sow the seed, of the days to be hereafter, and the deed that comes of deed. Therewith he waved his sword over his head, and made as if he would spur onward. But Aaron Bjorn thrust through the press, and out went him, and cried out, None goeth before Aaron Bjorn the old, when the battle is pitched in the meadow of the kindred. Come ye, sons of the bear, ye children of the worm, and come ye, whosoever hath a will to see stout men die. Then on he rode, nor looked behind him, and the riders of the bearings and the wormings drew themselves out of the throng, and followed him, and rode, clattering, over the meadow towards Wolfstead. A few of the others rode with them, and yet but a few, for they remembered the holy folk-mote and the oath of the war-duke, and how they had chosen Otter to be their leader. Howbeit, man looked askance at man, as if in shame to be left behind. But Otter bethought him in the flash of a moment. If these men ride alone, they shall die and do nothing, and if we ride with them, it may be that we shall overthrow the Romans, and if we be vanquished, it shall go hard, but we shall slay many of them so that it shall be the easier for Theodolf to deal with them. Then he spoke hastily, and bade certain men abide at the ford for a guard. Then he drew his sword, and rode to the front of his folk, and cried out aloud to them, Now at last has come the time to die, and let them of the markmen who live hereafter lay us in how. Set on, sons of Tyr, and give not your lives away, but let them be dearly earned of our foemen. They all shouted loudly and gladly, nor were they otherwise than exceeding glad, for now they had forgotten all other joys of life, save the joy of fighting for the kindred and the days to be. So Otter led them forth, and when he heard the whole company clattering and thundering on the earth behind him, and felt their might enter into him, his brow cleared, and the anxious lines in the face of the old man smoothed themselves out, and as he rode along the soul so stirred within him that he sang out aloud. 
Time was when hot was the summer and I was young of the earth, and I grudged me every moment that lacked its share of mirth. I woke in the moon and was merry, all the world me thought, for me and my heart's deliverance that hour was newly wrought. I have passed through the halls of manhood, I have reached the doors of eld, and I have been glad and sorry, but ever have upheld my heart against all trouble, that none might call me sad. But ne'er came such remembrance of how my heart was glad in the afternoon of summer, neath the still unwearied sun, of the days when I was little, and all the deeds were hopes to be won, as now at last it cometh, when e'en in such like tide, for the freeing of my troubles, over the father's field I ride. Many men perceived that he sang, and saw that he was merry, howbeit few heard his very words, and yet all were glad of him. Fast they rode, being wishful to catch up with the bearings and the wormings, and soon they came anigh them, and they, hearing the thunder of the horse-hoofs, looked and saw it was the company of Otter, and so slackened their speed till they were all joined together with joyous shouting and laughter. So then they ordered the ranks anew, and so set forward in great joy without haste or turmoil towards Wolfstead and the Romans. For now the bitterness of their fury and the sources of their abiding wrath were turned into the mere joy of battle, even as the clear red and sweet wine comes of the ugly ferment and rough tumble of the must. End of chapter 22